Welcome back to another episode of Lend Me Your Ears. My name is John Caesar. I'm sorry to disappoint, but there will be no Jill Belade on this episode. <laughs> uh, a huge thanks again to Jill for being not just my first guest, but being an absolute rock star on that episode. Um, I know she was nervous. She wasn't really sure how it was going to go or be received, but uh, as of right now, that episode has the most listens of any episode of mine in the first week of its life. So, Thank you guys for lending us your ears. And I'm definitely going to have her back on for another episode because there's a lot more to go over. Just not today. Today, we are going to go over documentation. No, not chimney documentation. I know a lot of you have been through the class. Uh, We've all learned how important it is to document your findings when it comes to chimneys. Uh, hopefully, most of you have, have turned away from paper invoices and tricarbon copy tear-offs. and it, It's not the best option out there. There are so many different options for documenting your findings in the field where you can actually give pictures and show measurements and, and document what you find and show them. Please, if you're not using it already, go find some kind of software that you can do that with. But that's not what we're talking about today. Today... We're going to talk about how important it is to document within your company. So just as important as it is to document what you're finding in the field so that you can uh, cover yourself for liability, so you can explain better to customers, so you can keep records internally and know what you're going back out to and reference back if anything ever happens. Just There's so much covering your butt when it comes to documentation in the field. Myself... I didn't really do a good job of documenting in my own company. So next week, we're going to go over just how bad that can get. But for this episode, we're going to talk about what kind of documentation we now have at Caesar Chimney. So um, pretty much everything I'm going to talk about today works regardless of your company size. So if you're a one truck operation and you think that these kind of big business ideas don't apply to you, you're 100% wrong. I wish I had all of these forms and more when I first started would have saved me a ton of headache. And the more crap I deal with as a business owner, the more forms we have to come up with. And we keep just coming up with different ideas. Oh, we need a form for that. We need to document this and we need to track this. And what it really comes down to is you have to create a paper trail and you have to cover your butt at home to or at the company, not just out at the field. So let's start out with the biggest one. Number one thing you should have if you're running any company, any trade, any size, is you need to have an employee handbook. I know it sounds like like you need to have a big company to have that. You really don't. This is where this becomes your, your company's Bible. Everything that your company does and says, how it operates, this pretty much covers everything. All the rest of the forms that I'm going to go over later on in this episode all tie back to our employee handbook. Everything needs to be in there. I had a hard time writing it, honestly. I I didn't even write most of it. I went online and I found a bunch of different templates and ideas and, and started reading through other companies' handbooks. And I'm going, man, I didn't even think about covering half the stuff that's in here. I didn't know any of this needed to be on paper. The more I started to read, the more it stressed me out, honestly. There was just too much to handle. So I ended up uh, finding a template, changed a bunch of things, and there was one of those fill-in-the-blanks, you know, put in what you do for paid time off, and what do you do for this, and what's your, you know, just filling in all the blanks. Then I had my lawyer read over it. 
they made a ton of changes to it because they actually know what they're looking at. I had no idea. They read through it and sent it back like a, a grade school paper covered in red pen, you know, change this and this shouldn't say that and this should be here and move this and we had to go back and revise it again. Now that we have it, it's a living, breathing document. It's always changing. The second we come up with a new form, the second something happens internally, anything that comes up has to get put into this handbook because it will get referenced. And I'm going to keep bringing this up next week. We're going to go over how this can come back to bite you, or at least me, if it isn't written correctly. So just to read over the, the table of contents here for ours, you got the introduction, basic company information, uh, policy changes at will employment. Make sure that's in there. No guarantees. What happens if there's any disputes within your company? Section two is all employment policies, confidentiality, conflicts of interest, employment of minors, probationary periods, privacy, immigration, neutrality, key holders, before and after hours policy. You have to have this stuff written down. You've got to have it in black and white. I was the kind of business owner. I'm very passive. For those that have ever uh, come to my company and seen uh, how we operate, I don't like conflict. I don't like getting in people's faces. I don't like demanding. I don't like bossing people around. This is not how I am. Writing this and putting this stuff in black and white was just, it was like pulling teeth for me. It was miserable because I don't want to have to do this. Well, in the beginning, I didn't want to have to do it. Now I add to it almost weekly. (laughs) Now I see the need for it. But I mean, putting this stuff down before and after hours policy, like, God, I got to write that in there. Yeah, you do. If anything was to ever happen, the first thing any adjuster or lawyer or anybody else is going to ask for is, let me see your handbook. And I didn't have one for a long time. So that it's extremely important. Uh, What do we got here? Children and or family members at work. What's your policy on that? Fraternization. Rehire policy. What's your policy on a rehire? Tobacco and nicotine policy. What's the policy there? Payroll practices, overtime, deductions, breaks, meals, garnishment of wages, records, references. All of that needs to be black and white. You need to have that nailed down to the nth degree when you hire somebody and when you employ somebody because they need to be able to reference that and you need to be able to be held accountable to it. Section four, employee performance reviews, pay increases, attendance, dress code, jewelry, tattoos, safety. That section is huge in our handbook. That's one of the sections that we had to flush out the most, but make sure that's written down. Section five, standards of conduct. There's tons of things in here. Equal opportunity, company vehicles, company money, Uh, Customer payments, handling credit cards, using credit cards, employee meals, which is separate from meal breaks, substance abuse, privacy, guns, weapons, harassment, infractions, conduct during company trips. As you all know, we travel a lot. We're doing a lot of uh, conventions and seminars and we're all over the place. That's got to be in the handbook. Utilizing company electronics, that's in the handbook. Hardware and internet policies, computer, internet, and email use. If you have people using any of your internet, your computer, or your email, you have to have that written down because if they do something using your name or your domain or your anything that's your software, internet, hardware, something, it can come back to bite you. You have to have this written down. Social media policy. That's new for us. We added that recently. We're going to go over that in a little bit, but we have one now. Handheld electronics, mobile devices. Then you get into your benefits, your health insurance, life insurance, unemployment, profit sharing, 
flexible spending accounts, 401k, social security, commuter benefits, workers comp. If you don't have all of that, I recommend starting to. Uh, I sat through a class a couple of years ago from uh, Carter Hawkins, Taylor Hill, and they were talking about how they did it at their company at, at Spark Marketer. And it blew my mind. Uh, I know they've got it out there somewhere. If you know Carter or Taylor, uh, go get the information from them because they're going to tell it a lot better than I did. But really what it came down to is they're going, that's what people want now. So why not give it to them? And the number one thing people say is, well, it's expensive. Everything's expensive. Everything. These are my words, not theirs. <laughs> Everything in business is expensive. You get what you pay for. You want to get cheap tools. You want to get cheap vehicles. Don't complain when they break all the time. You get what you pay for. Same thing with your employees. If you're not going to pay them, not going to benefit them in any way, you're honestly probably not going to get qual- the quality you're looking for, right? So I noticed the same thing. I sat to that class and they talked about what they did for their company and how they give them all the benefits and all the perks. And I was like, that's what we need to do. And we went out that next year and we did. We now offer health, life, dental, vision, uh, 401k, social security, workers comp, all of that stuff we have in some way as a benefit inside of our company. It is expensive, but you're paying for your employees. You get what you pay for. So pay for it. Employee time off. There's a whole section just for that. Uh, PTO, holidays, observed holidays, voluntary holidays, medical leave, family leave, pregnancy, disability, workers' compensation leave, military leave, bereavement leave, jury duty. You have to have all of that itemized out. Don't just make it up on the fly like I did for years. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is a holiday, and the next year it's not. Or, yeah, you can take this time off, but you can't. Now you've discriminated. You have to have this written down. I cannot stress that enough. I'm not going to read you a whole handbook. That was just a table of contents. But that's a lot. Like These are things I didn't ever think about or didn't even have at the time. And I'm going, why do I have to write this out? Do it. If you don't have one, there's tons of uh, websites and services available that can write it for you. Number one is get yourself a company handbook and then update it regularly. Keep up with it because as your company changes, it needs to change with it. Like I said, almost every other form that we're going to go over in this episode is tied into one of those sections somewhere in the handbook, but there are certain things that we want fleshed out even more. We could stop right there. Everybody that gets hired is given a copy of this handbook, both electronically, and then we have hard copies all over the office, so they're easily attainable. Uh, they get shared through a drive, so they have it with them, because they that's how they keep me accountable. These are the rules of the company. If I'm not owning up to it, here you go. So at the end of that, there is a, a signature page. They have to sign that they've read it. Give them time to read it. Don't just give them the book and have them sign it and hand it back. That's not what this is about. Read your company handbooks if you have one. Some of the employees make changes to ours. They read through it and like, hey, we don't do this anymore. This isn't accurate. I'm like, oh, crap, you're right. <laughs> Good catch. So make sure everybody's reading it and keeping up with it. But make sure that new hires read it and then have them sign that they've read it because now they're going to be held accountable for this as well. Like I said, within this, though, there's things that we want to flesh out a little bit more and make a little bit more uh, important, <laughs> I guess I could say. So the very next uh, form that we have is employment agreements. I joke around. A l- I don't really joke around. It's true. I talk a lot about my first day working for a chimney company back in the day. It sounds a lot like a lot of other first days of people that I've talked to as well. Kind of goes something like this. Welcome to ABC Chimney Company. 
here's your shirt, get in the van, sit down, shut up and watch what I do. Ta-da, you're a chimney sweep. (laughs) That's how I was trained. I make fun of that, but I did the same thing. When I started hiring people, there's work to be done. We got to get going, get in the van, you know, not so much sit there and shut up, but get in the van, let's go to work. I tried to soften it a little bit. Okay, we're nice. We're, we're hip. We're with it. I'm, I'm, I'm your friend, but we still got to go to work. And that was really it. An employment agreement is a contract between you and your employee. The handbook just says, here's the company's rules. Great. Here's what the company says and does. That's good. When it comes to one-on-one with the employee, you've got to have an employment agreement with them. On this date, this person from Caesar Chimney Service and this person here and after referred to as the employee agree that this employee is going to work starting on this day, making this much money. Here's when your reviews come up. Here's when your raises are expected. Here's what you could make, right? This is an agreement. They have to know what they're walking into. You can't just bring somebody into the company and say, get in the truck, you make this much, and we'll talk about a raise in a year, maybe. And then you forget about it. There's no accountability there. Training costs, paid time off again, personal days again. This is itemized out for them. I'm agreeing to this with them. Just because they signed the handbook saying this is fine, but I'm agreeing with them. Here is what we're going to agree on. This is how much you're going to get, and here's when. Holiday pay, same thing. Which holidays do you pay for? Do you pay for any? We have certain holidays we observe. We have certain holidays that are paid. We have certain holidays that are voluntary. You can take this day off. We won't hold it against you, but you're not going to get paid for it. It's a choice. There are other days that I'm going to give you whether you want it off or not, and I'm going to pay you for it, and you're going to like it. (laughs) But have that listed out. Which days you're going to observe? What are you going to do if the holiday falls on a Saturday? Do you observe it on the Friday? Do you observe it on the Monday? You have to have that written down. They have to agree to it. You have to agree to it. Credit card agreement, the handbook, again, everything references each other. It's all tied together. So this employment agreement I'm reading through right now also mentions the handbook. You shall follow all rules and guidelines set forth in the employee handbook. If they're not followed, disciplinary action up to and including termination may occur. That's strong language. You've got to have it. You can rely on that, I promise you. Disclosure of information, termination of employee, termination upon just, there's so much. This thing goes on. This is alone. Just the employee agreement for Caesar Chimney is six pages long. The handbook is 31. So if you come to work for Caesar Chimney Service, you've already had to read 40 pages of information before you've ever even seen a brush or a van, which is the way it should be. So first two, handbook, employee agreement. We actually have two separate ones. We have one for the office and we have one for the technicians because they're on different pay scales, pay rates, review schedules. The work uh, conduct is different. The requirements are different. Everything's different. So you can't have just a black and white. Uh, you can't have you know the same for both. You have to have them separate. So we have one for the techs, one for the office. The next form they have to sign is permission to perform pre-employment background checks and drug tests. You can require it all you want, but they have to give permission for that. You can't force it. So we have a page for that as well. I hereby give Caesar Chimney Service Incorporated permission to perform a pre-employment background check and drug test. I understand that for me to be considered, I must pass both the background check and the drug test. You have to have that written out. They have to sign it. Make sure you have a paper trail. 
the next thing after that, so now they've signed that they give permission for us to test them. The next thing is they sign a zero tolerance drug and alcohol policy. Ta-da, we're going to test you. And we have a zero tolerance drug and alcohol policy. We have to explain this to people, okay? A lot of people now think that certain things should be legal or certain things are right or good. That's fine. You can have a personal belief. I have my own personal beliefs that might differ from yours. Fantastic. When it comes to business, the law doesn't have an opinion. The law is going to hang you. (laughs) If you're on a roof and you fall off the roof and you hit the ground, thankfully you live, or let's say this is your employee, somebody, and you go to the hospital and it happened at work. Do you know one of the first things they're going to do to that employee when they get there? They're going to do a drug test on him. They're going to they're going to see if he was under the influence of anything. Don't let that happen to you. I tell the employees all the time that hurts you. It hurts me absolutely, but it's going to hurt you a lot more because now you don't get workman's comp. They're not going to cover that if you were under the influence. You're not going to get certain benefits. Like this screws you more than just getting hurt. Then bring it back on the company, the liability on the company side. Do you want people that are under any kind of influence, whether it's legal or not, whether it's prescribed or not, doesn't matter. Do you want them walking on a 12 pitch? Do you want them dragging tools to a customer's house? Do you want them climbing ladders, driving vehicles, all of this? Our job sucks. I've said it before. We have a terrible job. It's hard. You have to do it in 100 degrees and zero degrees and 12 pitch roofs and cold basements and dirty ash pits. And it's terrible. Don't be under the influence while you're doing it. It's going to hamper your work. I know, you know, you can get into all kinds of opinions where I function better when I'm on it. I don't care. If you ever get in trouble, the first thing they're going to do is drug test you. And now we're all screwed. Zero tolerance. That I, And I kind of paraphrase a lot of what's in here already. Uh, safety, drugs, alcohol. Uh, what does that say? Must not have consumed drug or alcohol less than eight hours before their next scheduled shift. Certain medications you can't take when operating heavy equipment. That includes vehicles. <laughs> Don't have them driving vehicles on prescription medication. Alcohol, fine. You want to get a drink after work? Make it after work. Don't be partying through the night, staying up till five on a binger, and then come into work at seven. Don't do it. Everybody here will smell you, first of all. You're not hiding it, but don't do it. You're going to get sent home. Have them sign that, that they understand this is your policy. But every time they sign it, you sign it as well. You're agreeing to this. This is a zero tolerance policy. The second you skate on this for one person, everybody else is going to expect the same. Now you've discriminated. Write it down, black and white, sign it, do it. The next one, vehicle use and agreement. This is a big one. We just talked about the fact you're going to have people driving company vehicles. These company vehicles, if they should be giant billboards, right? If you've done it right. Some people just have the little magnet on the door. Some people, fine, whatever. You're going to have something on the vehicle that's going to be a billboard. The whole goal of a work vehicle is for people to see your name and your contact information. We want them to use that to call us. So usually when you do it, if you go to anywhere that's professional for wraps and signs, they're going to say, make the phone number really big, make the website really big, make the name really big. That's the whole goal. We want people to see it and know instantly how to get a hold of us. That goes both ways. <laughs> and I tell my employees that all the time. You're driving a giant billboard. So you run a stoplight. 
you aren't wearing a seatbelt. You're on the cell phone. You're blowing a fat vape cloud out the window at a stoplight. Looks like the vehicle's on fire. Anything, little things, somebody's going to call. They do it all the time. We talk about, you know, Karens and whatnot, people that have better time on their hands, whatever. I want them to be aware that people are looking. In Manchester, up here in New Hampshire, it's a pretty small city as cities go. Very tight-knit. Almost everybody knows everybody. There's people everywhere. And I get personal calls all the time because technicians don't know who I know. They don't know who's friends with me or who has my number or who plays baseball with my son. Time after time, I get a picture. I get a text message. Hey, just saw this van speeding through a school zone. Hey, I just saw this van. He rolled through a stop sign. Hey, this guy didn't stop for pedestrians. And I'm like, thank you. Do you think my employees like having the owner walk in and saying, hey, my friend sent me a picture of your expletive expletive. (laughs) That's the worst thing that can happen for an employee. For a business owner, the worst thing that can happen happened to me a couple days ago. Got a phone call. The office goes, John, you need to take this one. It was the school employee. One of my vans drove past a school bus that it was unloading children. Oh, <laughs> I mean, this happens, right? People are not paying attention. Life happens. Fine. But have it written down. That's not going to happen again. Let me promise you that. But I digress. We have a vehicle use agreement. Everybody in the company has got to sign it. Whether you're a lead, whether you're tech, whether you're new, because business happens. Sometimes you're going to be asked to drive a van. Sometimes it's a box truck. Sometimes it's a dump truck. Sometimes it's a pickup truck. We've got all kinds of vehicles here. Depending on the day, you might be asked to drive any one of them. So vehicle use agreement must have a proper and current driver's license. Number one. To work here. That's part of it. You have to have that. Any citations received, notify the uh, employer. Safe driving practices, obey traffic regulations. Uh, Company-owned vehicles are not to be used for family vacations. These get kind of funny. Not to be loaned to any employee's family or friends. Uh, Non-employees are not allowed to operate vehicles. No hitchhikers are allowed in the vehicles. Like this just, I would never think to write this stuff down. (laughs) This just... I can't believe it, but it's in here and it works. And some of these things that I think are crazy, we've actually had to enforce, which is the most crazy part for me. Parking a vehicle, make sure it's safe. Legal areas off public ways. Use of alcohol, controlled substances during operation is prohibited and may lead to termination. So help me if I catch somebody driving my vehicle drunk. That's not a may lead to termination. That's a, you don't even show up tomorrow. Hazardous substances, chemicals, uh, non-business use, My wife actually put this one in, and for some reason, it's hidden in the middle, but for some reason, everybody that reads it, laughs at it, pulls it out, notices it. But this vehicle may not, in capital letters, be driven to bars, strip clubs, or any other non-reputable establishment. Meaning, you're not going to see a Caesar chimney van at a bar on a Friday night, or a strip club on a Saturday night. It's not going to happen. We're not going to have, oh, I saw your van the other day, it was parked over, yeah, no, (laughs) absolutely not. This is not going to happen. Let me make him sign for it. If there are two reported incidences, incidents, the privilege of using company vehicles will be revoked. That's it. Two strikes and you're out. As of last week, somebody's got one strike. Not going to happen again. Then we go into uh, will not be liable for any acts of God. Any person causing damage to a vehicle is responsive, responsible for the damage to that vehicle. 
any tickets that you get, any citations you get while driving a vehicle, you are responsible for paying sign, print, date. So just to use the vehicle, we got another another signature, another form. Then we get into the big one, the attendance policy. It's not ours. We actually got this from Mark Stoner. He's been very good about putting this out into videos and forums, and uh, he shares it willingly. It works, but I always tell people, same that Mark told everybody else when he sent it out, it works if you use it, if you allow it to do what it says, meaning stick to it. And Mark said it in his video. He's very... He's very passive like I am. Don't want to fire. Don't want confrontation. But sometimes you've you've got to do it. If you put this out there and you make it company policy, you've got to follow through with it. Next week, when I talk about the crap that I've been through for not following my own rules, we're going to go over this. But I digress. Attendance policy. To sum it up, Mark's policy is a 24-point calendar year policy. If you are late for any reason, you get a point. If you're late by so many minutes, you get more points. If you no-call, no-show, you get more points. If you're absent for any reason, you get more points. And the points accrue. We have a spreadsheet. One of our managers is in charge of it. If anybody's late, they get points. If they call out, they get points. If they leave early, they get points. And you get 24 in a calendar year, and you're fired. Sounds pretty simple, right? (laughs) If you follow it, it is. We'll talk more about that next week. But it's a pretty straightforward policy. Keep track of the points. When they get to, I believe it's 12 points, there's a written warning they have to sign. When they get to 16, another written warning they have to sign. 20 points, another written warning, final warning. And then at 24, you're fired. But the best part is it takes all the work out of it for you. You don't have to figure out, was this person late because it was their fault or somebody else's fault? And then you start getting the excuses. My alarm didn't go off. My car didn't there's no reason or there's no excuses because it doesn't matter what reason you're late. You get a point. That's it. We've taken that a step further though, because technicians kind of saw it as a get out of jail free. Like, well, I can get up to 24. So I can be late. No big deal. Like here, sign this. Okay. I'm only halfway there. Looking back on that, that's a giant red flag. Now I can see that those employees that felt and acted that way were not Caesar chimney material, but I held on too long. Once again, next week. (laughs) I keep plugging it because it's going to be a big one. But we have amped it up a little bit. Now, because we've overhired, I've talked in the past about our floaters. We have uh, one lead technician, one assistant technician per van. And then we have floaters that have been certified. They're not leads yet. They're more advanced, more experienced than a newer technician. So they're right there in the middle They're extra hands on jobs. We send them out when the job is too big and they need just extra people. We send them out when maybe the lead or the tech or somebody hasn't been trained 100%. You know, it's really hard to train a new guy on a liner. If you're up on the roof holding on to the liner, they're down in the basement. You're trying to yell at them through the liner how to do certain things. Not professional. It doesn't work so well. So that third hand comes in handy. It's an extra trainer, extra hand. But they're also a safety net for the business because if you only have enough employees to man the vans for that day. And one of them calls out or one of them sick. Something happens where you don't have that employee. That whole van now has to get rescheduled and you've lost all that money. You've lost all that work strictly because one person couldn't come in. Could be a valid reason. COVID, right? You lose an employee for two weeks that can hand, that can crush a a young, small company. It did to us. Somebody getting sick, somebody 
having car trouble, all of a sudden the whole day's done. You got to call the customer. Sorry, we'll get to you next week, maybe. I just got sick of being screwed like that whenever something happens. So I said, what if we just hired more? What if we just have extra people? I know that sounds like a luxury. And then with the job market we had, I didn't know what was going to happen. Thankfully, it did. Even through COVID, we were over hiring to the point that we now have three additional certified employees that can go out on jobs with our technicians. But the safety net I'm talking about is if somebody shows up late now, if you're a technician, assistant technician, and you show up late, you go home. You get the points, but you go home too. You lose out on the day's pay. Put that in the handbook as well. And it's in our attendance policy to sign it twice. But if you're late, I don't care if it's 731 and the stoplight stayed red a little bit too long or it doesn't matter. If you're so late that a stoplight made you late, you didn't leave in enough time. That's that's a you problem. That's not a stoplight problem. I hate the victim mentality of, oh, the, the alarm didn't, no, the alarm didn't do anything. You didn't get up, period. So those excuses don't fly with me. Somebody gets here at 731. Here's your point. Sign your paper. See you tomorrow. Because we have extra people that can now fill in for that employee, work still gets done and they get to sit home and think about, "Mm, maybe I should get up early tomorrow morning. (laughs) With the leads, it got harder because they would then, we had a couple leads that just didn't care. They'd show up at 729, 730. They're flirting with danger every day. They're like, it's fine. I got a minute or I, you know, I have only three points. I can get another point. But they would consistently show up at 729, 730, flirting with that clock And then eventually it would happen where they started accruing a lot of points. And I said, this isn't working for the leads. The techs are scared. They show up now. (laughs) 7.30 is our showtime. I would say almost every assistant technician we have shows up at 7. They're there. One of our technicians is there at 6.30 some mornings. I'm like, it's all right. Management's not even here till 7. But we scared the technicians to the point they know they could lose a day's pay. The leads didn't have that fear because we were in a position of weakness. They knew if they're not there. The job doesn't get done. I fixed that too. I brought my two main leads out, made the managers, but I told everybody now there's two extra leads as well. So if you show up a minute late, 731, you're going home and one of the managers is taking your job. They're on salary. So it doesn't matter what, you know, what's going on with their day. They're going out and doing the job, but they're now going to get your commission. You get nothing. The manager is going to get a bonus this week. He's going to get his salary plus the commission for going out and having to do your liner or your rebuild or whatever the job is. That changed everything. So the floaters really helped reinforce this policy because points are good, but they they just kind of use them as get out of jail free cards, at least 23 of them. Having that point and then having to go home night and day. So if you can't, I know it's it sounds really easy. Just go hire more people. I know. I get it. Try. One of the biggest things we did, and I realized this too late, is we would hire or we would, I'm sorry, we'd advertise that we were hiring until we got enough people and then we'd shut the ads off. We don't do that anymore. Now we're one of those companies that's always hiring, right? We don't put it on our vans like you see some of the plumbers doing, but we're always hiring. The ad is always up and we're always taking applications. We're always doing interviews because you never know. Something could happen. Somebody gets fired. Somebody gets hurt. We just need an extra hand, whatever the case may be. We need to have that deep bench that we can pull from. We would get caught with our pants down more times than not. Even with floaters, overhiring, all that stuff, somebody gets fired. We're like, oops, okay, put the ad back up quick. We need people. 
but we're starting from a dead stop. Now we've got to wait for the ad to go out, wait for people to find it, wait for them to start applying. And now we're a week into it and we're freaking out because we needed somebody a week ago. By always hiring, always having an ad up, always having the door open, now we have that deep bench. Now we get people who are like, you know, you'd be a really great fit, but you know, we'll keep your name. Sorry, we'll give you a call. And it works. We've called people back. Hey, we interviewed you three months ago. Hey, just wanted to check in, see what's going on. Do you still want the job? Maybe they got another one. It's not working out. Maybe they were still at their old job, never found one they liked. And now they work for us. But always be hiring. It was the best way for us to over hire. I know it sounds easier than (laughs) I make it sound, but it works. The next thing, this is a newer one, social media. We now have to have a social media policy at Caesar Chimney because a lot of our technicians are younger, lower, mid-20s, somewhere around there, the Instagram crowd, the Snapchat crowd, not so much Facebook anymore, but TikTok, a lot of them. We started finding videos and pictures online. One of them, the one that was the straw that broke the camel's back was I go on to Snapchat and one of my employees posted a video selfie video over his shoulder. One of my employees is hanging upside down from scaffolding, not wearing a helmet or a harness. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine my, don't imagine it. It's not good. It's not a good look for me. That was the last straw. So we put this together and this essentially says that we encourage the use of of photos and videos on social media to help promote the company's business. As everybody listening probably knows, I love Facebook. I love social media. I'm always putting any picture video out there that I can. However, the form says it is not acceptable if photos or videos that show any type of safety hazards, unprofessionalism, inappropriate behavior, slandering of this company or any other company will not be tolerated. The wearing of company clothing, company vehicles, such items that have the business name or logo on it will not be displayed. The use of the company's name shall not be used in such a manner. Disciplinary action will be taken if it is felt there was a violation of this policy. It's a big, long, fancy worded form to say, don't post crap on social media that's not safe or not right. You shouldn't be doing it. We all know that they shouldn't be doing it. All the training we put into it, all the the equipment we give them, all the training we give them, all the classes we give them. They shouldn't be doing it. Nobody's supposed to be hanging upside down from scaffolding without a helmet or a harness on. Duh. But they do it. We all know that people are going to, you know, when the cat's away, the mice are going to play. Fine. Don't do it. And definitely don't put it on social media. I was talking to somebody online a few weeks ago and he was talking about quality control, that it's hard to get that. And it absolutely is to keep the quality control once the owner's out of the field, once the managers are out of the field. It's hard. I still have a podcast that I want to do about that, but a snapshot of that is essentially high-paid babysitting is what I call it. My managers are on salary. I take a paycheck as well. We are high-paid to go around and double-check everybody's work. Make sure it's done. Did you do this? Did you do that? Let me see this. Let me check your work. Did you show your work? Sometimes you sound like school teachers. sometimes Sometimes you sound like babysitters, parents, whatever, but that's our job. A manager's job in my company is quality control all the time to make sure everything that you said was supposed to be done is done in the way you wanted it done to include one of my managers. Now his job is to drive around and just randomly pop up at people's jobs. Ta-da, here I am. Some of the employees think because they're further away, they're on the outskirts of our service area that he won't show up. And I'm like, you're going there first. (laughs) Get out there. 
show up. He's supposed to be there to help him. He's supposed to be like a roving manager. Hey, you need a hand. You need a soda. Can you get you some water? And what it's turned into is he's a he's just diming out people. And I don't want that. That's not the kind of company that I wanted to build. But you have to do that to keep the quality going. Now he shows up. Everybody better be wearing a helmet. If you're on a repair, you better be wearing a harness. If you're sweeping, you need to be wearing a respirator. If you're doing anything dangerous or dealing with sharp, you need to be wearing gloves. If you're grinding, ear protection, right? Eye protection. If he shows up and you're not, it's a write-up for everybody involved. I don't want that kind of company. That's not what I wanted to build. But here I am. Everything that we've added has had to be added for a reason because it happened. When I'm in the military, they used to have briefings. And they'd say the dumbest thing. I'm, I'm not even making this up. I sat there one one time and they were talking about gun safety. And they said, do not put the barrel of the gun in your mouth and pull the trigger. I literally, I was laughing. I said, what? Why would you have to say that? And with a straight face, the guy at the front said, because it's happened before. I don't know. Now I get it. Now I run a company. Now my company's getting bigger. Why would you have to say that? Why would I have to sign this paper? Because it's happened before. That's a sobering thought. I don't like it, but here we are. Forms left and right and managers having to drive out and make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. Such is life. (laughs) The next form is for training costs. This one was a tough one for me. I didn't want to have to do this either, but I pay for everything for an employee to get certified and trained. There's a lot of people out there like, oh, the employee owns the certification. Yeah, you took the test. Good. You did earn the certification. But if an employee understood how much it costs to get said certification, it changes a little bit. All of a sudden, they don't feel like they own it as much as earned it. It's a big difference. For us, we have six months worth of training. Uh, I'm going to go over in another podcast about our training schedule and how we get to six months. They take quizzes every month. We're always training them every month. After six months, we can tell by the quizzes they've taken, their their attitude, their reviews, if they're ready to go to the CSIA school. Once they go to the school, I pay for their books. I pay for their flight, pay for their hotel, pay for their rental car, pay for their food, pay for the price to go to the school. It's a lot. Anybody wants to know how much it costs to send an employee, I it. I think between all of that, flight, car, food, books, school, ask me outside the podcast. I'll tell you how much it costs. And I send everybody because it's worth it. It's an investment. But I tell the employees how much it costs too. Their eyes bulge out of their head. They go, they get certified. They come back. They sign this form. It says, I'm going to cover all these costs for you. Actually, I'm sorry. They sign it before they go. I want to make sure that's said right. (laughs) They sign it before they go. You, I will pay for all of your training costs. But if the employee chooses to leave Caesar Chimney Service within two years of becoming certified to work for another chimney company, the employee is legally responsible for all costs associated with retaining the certification, must reimburse the employer for all costs, not included, but limited to, and a list out a bunch of the different places we train them, travels, meals, costs, etc. This came about because I had a pretty high-speed employee get hired, got hired in September, Instantly wanted to get a hold of the books, wanted to learn, thirsty. I'm like, I like this kid. He's got that fire. I was like, give him whatever he wants. Training, online training, book training. Four months in, I had a proctored exam at my shop, at my house at the time. He passed it. He was certified in four months on his own from just book learning, self-studying, surefire e-learning, 
four months certified. I'm like, this kid's going places. What I didn't know was five months later, a month after I got him certified, he had filed his own business identity with the state of New Hampshire. And then from February through when I finally fired him, and I think it was August, September, somewhere around there, for the entire summer that year, he was going out in Caesar Chimney uniform, giving an estimate, hey, here's the Caesar Chimney cost, 7000 but I can do it this Saturday for half. And he was working every Saturday for his own company. He had it. He, I found out later, he had everything. Email, website, domain name, business license. He had a contract with a, uh, a different chimney supplier. He was calling and having liners shipped to his house. I mean, the whole, like he did it up. Very smart. Completely robbed me from the inside out. Come to find out a lot of other employees knew about it after the fact. They're like, oh yeah, I knew he was doing that. Thanks for telling me. Now this policy. There's a lot of other, there's trade-offs too where people get fired or uh, quit and they go work for somebody else. This covers that as well. If you're going to quit and go work for someone else or quit and go start your own business, you're going to reimburse me for all the money it took for me to get you to that position. You may have earned it. You 100% did not pay for it. It would blow your mind if you knew how much it cost to get somebody certified that way. So they signed this paperwork. To this day, we haven't had to use it since that happened, which is what I like. I like making up these terrible forms just to not use them. That's the whole goal behind it. The next one is a checklist for their PPE. When we hire them, we give them shirts, we give them a bunch of these forms to sign, but the next thing we do is we give them a, it's literally a backpack. It's an oversized backpack full of everything they need to be safe on this job. Gloves, eye protection, ear protection, helmet, harness, lanyard, respirator, three different types, painters, masks, booties. There's even more stuff to end up throwing in there, but this is the main stuff that we give them. We provide all of that to them. Brand new. They get it. They're expected to use it. Now we actually inspect for what we expect. Like I said, Max going out, making sure that everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing, wearing what they're supposed to be wearing. I don't spend you know a couple thousand dollars on equipment to hand to you for free on day one and expect you not to use it. Then come to me and complain because you got something in your eye or you cut your hand or you can't hear and it rings at night. <laughs> I'm like... I gave it all to you. Use it. But you have to create that culture of safety. We had a bunch of cowboys working here a long time ago. Me being cowboy number one. I did it for years without. I've been doing this. I know what I'm doing. I've been on a roof before you were born. I've said all those dumb things. It doesn't change the fact that I was four stories in the air, tight roping a 12 pitch with no safety. Grinding with a grinder two inches from my face with no ear protection on. Now it does ring in my ears at night. I have tinnitus. I know other people can't breathe. You, you got uh, silicosis and all these other nasty diseases and things that can happen. There's videos all over Facebook of grinder blades blowing up and hitting people in the face. And this job sucks. Why would you ever tempt fate and do it without safety? I don't understand it. Well, I do. I kind of started that. I was the one out there showing them it can be done without it. So I created this culture of unsafety. I now have to fix it and create a culture of safety because I'm not the one out there on the roof anymore. There's a bunch of 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds right now. As we speak on a roof, they better be safe doing it because I'm not there to make sure they are. Quality control. Pretty much what that comes down to. Make sure you're checking to make sure everything that you've said is being done right. Otherwise, the cat or the mice will play while the cat's away. So those 10 forms they get when they're hired. They have to read it. They have to know it. They have to sign it. They have to agree to it. 
I also have to read, sign, agree to it. It's a two-way street. They're not here just for my pleasure. I have to agree to take care of them and to uphold my side of it as well. They go off, they go to work, they get trained. When they become a lead, there's more forms to (laughs) sign. Yay! The first one they have to sign... Once again, I didn't want to have to put this form into place and to this date never had to enforce it. But I give each lead a brand new cell phone. Not just any cell phone. We're not talking about a little flip phone. I give them Note 20s. I give them really nice phones because we have a really nice CRM that has a lot of functions in it. So they need the pen and the big screen and that's why I give it to them. So every every lead gets a brand new Note cell phone. I think they're like $1,000, $1,200 now. Some ridiculous amount of money for a cell phone. I also get insurance that I pay on them because I know stuff's going to happen. I've broken cell phones out in the field before. It's a part of doing business until one year. I think we had five, six vans going. There was a rash of cell phones being broken. Every time I turn around, there's a crack screen here. There's a chip here. This part, the camera's falling out. Everybody's cell phones are broken. And they keep bringing them in. Hey, I need a new one. Hey, I need a new one. And I kept doing it because I had insurance. But insurance just covers the fact that I can get a new one. It doesn't cover the whole cost of it. It costs me $200 every replacement. And then come to find out, there's a limit on that. Per phone, you can only get up to three in a year. Nobody told me. Well, they probably did tell me that. I didn't pay attention to it because I didn't think it would ever happen. I didn't, I've never gone through three cell phones in a year. We had an employee do it. He hit his max. Sorry, this has already been fixed three times. Now you got to buy a brand new phone and start over. Nope, not going to do it. This form that the leads have to sign is I blank agree that if I damage or break the company's cell phone to the extent of needing repair or replacement, I blank will pay $100 to Caesar Chimney Service. (laughs) Now they're going to pay half of that cost. It costs me $200 every time. If you're going to drop it, misplace it, misuse it in any way that's going to cause me to have to replace it, now you owe me. Magically, in the 12... 14 months we've had this policy, nobody's broken a cell phone. Ta-da. <laughs> That's what I mean about it. I don't want to have a company where I have to threaten people and hold stuff over their heads, but magically it works where nobody's cell phone's been broken in over a year. The next one is a credit card user agreement because once they become a lead, they get a brand new shiny cell phone. They also get a company credit card. I have one credit account with one limit and then every lead has a card tied to that same account. It's just a user card that they can go out and use for company-related expenses. It used to be for gas was the biggest thing. Everybody got a credit card, fill up your vans with gas. We eventually got on to WEX, and now every vehicle has its own gas card, but they still have the credit card. Now it's become more of a emergency fund. You're on a job and you need a part. I'm not going to expect a technician to go out and spend his own money on stovepipe or class A or whatever. Now I've got to go out and pay for it. So I just give him a card. If you need a part in the field, go get it. They have to bring their receipts back. That's all in this form. You have to keep the receipts. You can only use it for business related materials. Um, Anything that they charge at the end of the month, we get a statement from their card and we go in it. We match the receipts to what they show on their uh, statement. And then all of that is taken out as a material before they get commission. So they are, it's still a job material, right? So either we have it in stock, I've already paid for it and they use it uh, as a job material or they go buy it in the field and then I discharge them for it later. But they have a company credit card. So they have to sign that they'll only use the credit card for payment of authorized expenses consistent with my responsibility. 
I won't use it to obtain cash advances. Uh, only employees can use it. No personal use, blah, 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 blah. Use the credit card the right way. If you don't, you're fired. These forms all have the same kind of tone to them. And then they sign. Then we have a different form that's different from the vehicle take-home agreement. Or, I'm sorry, the vehicle agreement from before. This is the vehicle take-home agreement because some of our employees do drive vehicles home at night. This is in addition to that saying just make sure you're using it the right way and you're going to treat it like it's your own vehicle. You're still not taking it to any bars. You're still not going to park it illegally. You're still not going to speed in it. But here's more. And they sign and they date. Now we come to the big ones. And I'm already almost 48 minutes into this. There's a lot of forms at Caesar Chimney. These are the ones that have caught me with my pants down over the years. Raise acknowledgement. For years, I would just hire employees, give them a raise because I liked them, give them a raise because they passed review, give them a raise because, 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 put it into the system, pay them, move on. Never had a paper trail for that until I was told I had to. When we got a PEO company, they came on. They're like, what do you do when they get a raise? I'm like, tell you. They said, no, you have to have a paper trail for that. I'm like, oh, I've given this guy like seven raises in two years. and I don't have anything on paper. They're like, no, that's not going to happen. Now we just have, it's very basic on blank, on blank date. Blank received a raise for blank for blank. (laughs) This raise will come into effect on the following pay period. Sign date, sign date. So on the 5th, Bob Smith received a raise of $1 for passing his 90-day review. It's that simple. But you have to have a paper trail. They have to sign it. They have to understand that. And for years, I wasn't doing it. Now we do. The next one is a form that I loathe. I never wanted to have to do this. And it caught me with my pants down big time. A write-up form. We talked about it a lot. We were like, oh, we need to get write-ups. We need to write this person up. We'd say it. We'd call employees in and we'd discipline them or or admonish them or something. We'd, you know, get my stern talking to. It was a lot of verbal write-ups, but no paper trail. Next week, we're going to go over why that hurt me pretty bad. But this one's very vanilla, very uh, can go to any reason, I guess. Employee's name, the department he works for, the date of warning supervisor. Type of violation, attendance, carelessness, disobedience, safety, tardiness, work quality, other, explain. Date, time, location of the violation, the employer statement, the employee statement, the decision made, signed by the manager, warning date, was this first, second, or third warning, sign, sign. Having a paper trail is so key. For years, like I said, I would just talk to them. And I thought that would make a difference. I thought if I just talk to him really well, scare him a little bit, he's gonna it's gonna fix him. I'm gonna it's gonna be great. It doesn't. Some people it takes four, five, six talking to, but they never get the picture. I have an employee I'm gonna talk about next week that when he was fired, looked at me with a blank stare and said, What? No warning? <laughs> like, dude, it's but this is like the twentieth time you've sat in this chair. But he never and he never got the picture because there's no paper trail. Now we have a paper trail. Now we have to write people up. They have to come in. Hey, this happened on this date. Go in and see HR and sign the form. I don't want this kind of company, people. <laughs> I don't want to be this bad guy, this holding stuff over their head. Sign this paper. You did this. But here we are. The sooner you have these forms, the better. Because if something happens down the road and they ask you for a paper trail and you don't have it, 
It may be worse off for you than you realize. So get a write-up form, some kind of disciplinary action form. And then the final form I'm going to talk about today is a termination form. Same thing, par for the course for John Caesar. I'd fire somebody. I don't like firing people. I've never liked it. It's not a good feeling. I don't enjoy it. Uh, I'm going to do a podcast talking about hiring slow and firing fast. And I'm talking to myself because I hate doing it and I'm not good at it. So the termination form is literally that due to the following reasons, you've been terminated from Caesar Chimney Service Incorporated effective immediately. We ask you to return your work shirts, flashlight, any of the equipment you've been provided for. Reason for your termination, supervisor's name, signature date, employee's name, signature date. It's so simple. It's a one-page, bl- half blank, really. But you have to do it. You can't just hire somebody with no paperwork. You can't give them raises with no paperwork. You can't fire them with no paperwork. You can't talk to them behind closed doors about their discrepancies or their issues without a paper trail. You can't do any of that. I've done all of that. And I'm telling you 100%, if you're running a business right now with so much as one employee, get almost all these forms I talked about. Right? I get if you don't have a credit card. I get if you don't do company phones. I get if they don't take vehicles home. That's great. The main ones here, hiring, firing, raises, write-ups, handbook. Get a handbook, please. I cannot tell you how many times that thing has saved me because everything is in there. It's already there, black and white. Lawyers read it. Boom, sign it. It'll save you. The employee agreement, same thing. You're getting uh, hired on this date for this pay. Here's your... Uh, paid holidays. Here's your PTO. Here's when you get this. Here's when you get that. Sign it. So they know and you know, and you can both keep each other accountable. The background check, the drug test. If you're not doing those, please do. I went for three, four years without doing a background check and a drug test. I started hiring violent felons and didn't even know it. I had a guy come work at my company that if I'd have done a simple Google search on his name, would have found out he held up a store with a gun and he was in my house near my one-year-old daughter and in customers' homes. Don't do that to yourself. Don't get surprised when a homeowner, that's what happened to me. I already talked about it. Homeowner Googled my employee's name and found it for me. You know how embarrassing that is? (laughs) Do you know who's working for you? No. (laughs) By the way, I didn't have him sign anything when I hired him. (laughs) Like, what a joke. And I called it running a business. God. Background check, drug test, do it, stand by it. Zero tolerance for drug and alcohol. You're going to work on a roof, you're going to work on ladders, you're going to work on scaffolding, you're going to work on boom lifts, you're going to have power tools two inches from your face. Make sure your employees are sober. Make sure you're sober. If they're driving any vehicle in any way, make them sign that they understand they're driving a billboard full of very expensive tools and they have to be aware of that. Sign it. Attendance policy. If you don't have one, Mark Stoner's is amazing. It works. Point system, black and white. You get a point or you don't. No thoughts involved. I mean, you can't get any more simple than that. Social media, that's just something that's that's a sign of the times, really. Everybody's wanting to put everything on Facebook or or TikTok or Instagram and something gets out there with your name on it or your employees doing something they're not supposed to be doing, they're not going to get in trouble for it. You are. Make sure they're aware of that. So I've talked for quite a bit on this one, but this is important. This is big stuff. I just had a client, the Caesar Consulting client, that I give all these forms to all my clients. I'm like, here, boom. I send it over in a drive folder. Here they are. And it blows their minds every time 
the depth we've gone to, but I always remind them this didn't happen overnight. I'm not this magical chimney entrepreneur that just, you know, poops out. For- no, these happen, like I said before, for a reason. They something happened in the company, something happened outside the company, something happened to somebody else's company. And I just saw it coming. I'm like, that's not happening at mine. But there's reasons for these. If you don't have these, you're not covered. If you're not covered, bad things can happen. And on that note, I'll mention it for probably the 20th time. Tune in next week where I'm going to talk about the bad things that can happen if you don't have some of these forms. So, hate to end on a bad note, but thank you for lending me your ears. Have a great one.